This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Tuesday, August 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for listening. I'm Judge Richards in for Rob Hart. Well, sources say the White Sox are considering a move out of the Bridgeport neighborhood. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest report on home sales is out today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park Business Line, reminding you to bring your business home is Steve Kirch, Chicago-based real estate and housing expert. Steve, thanks so much for your time today. The slowdown in housing, it all comes down to inventory and interest rates. Could you help us understand why? Sure. Good afternoon, Judson. Uh, We are just seeing a continuation of the trends in the housing market that have taken hold this year. Uh, Home sales are down, as was just reported, uh, but median prices were up slightly year over year. And all of this is uh, is the inventory problem. There are only about uh, 1.1 million uh, homes for sale at the moment on the market. That's the lowest rate in almost 25 years. It's only a three-month supply nationally, and that's, uh, you know, a balanced market would have you at about five to six months. So it's really, you know, putting a crimp on the market. Interest rates have a lot to do with it as well. Now mortgage rates over 7%. Some people are saying they're going to get to 8% before we see any relief there. Steve, anyone who's shopped for a house recently has heard the term plenty of times, lack of inventory, inventory is down. Is that changing anytime soon? Are there more homes being built? No, we're not. uh, I mean, the home builders, I'm sure, would probably like to get more houses out there, but they're in a long-term trend where it is more difficult to get permitting than it was in in the boom days of home builders. And so they can't necessarily make up the, the amount of inventory that, that we need to get this market back in balance. You mentioned the soaring mortgage rates. Uh, how much of an impact is that playing, and are those mortgage rates going to go down anytime soon? Right. So it's, uh, you know, they, they've ticked over 7%. People are, you know, you can't even get a break going to uh, adjustable rate loans because short-term interest rates are so high, so you're not going to save much money there. Folks are trying to get in on FHA loans, which are a little easier to qualify for, especially if you're a first-time buyer. That helps out. But the trends uh, are still up, and as you noted, you know, the Fed, again, we have Fed speakers this week. Uh, They're probably going to give us a clue, but it doesn't seem that we're going to be in for any lower interest rates any time this year for sure. What about the Chicago area housing market? Is it looking any different around here, or is it just similar to what we're seeing in the country? It's it's pretty similar. The Chicago uh, metro area 
housing sales down about 21%. However, our, our median prices are doing better. Uh, they were up about 6% at 345000 uh, Sales are continued forecast for the next three months or so. They'll still be down about anywhere up to 25% on the year-over-year numbers, and our inventory is actually much tighter. And the Chicago market only has about 1.8 months supply. Uh, so, you know, and, and houses are selling quickly when they do come out on, on the market. You're just, you know, you have to act fast, and it doesn't look like it's going to change the rest of the year. Stephen, about 60 seconds, your advice right now for first-time home buyers. Uh, be ready. Be prepared. You have to have a mortgage pre-approval. Know how much house you can afford. Know exactly what you want, where you want it, and how you're going to be willing to compromise uh, when you do get out in that market. Because as I said, homes are selling in less than a month on the market. They're gone quickly. Uh, so you've got to be ready to act. If you don't have your ducks lined up, uh, then the seller is going to go right to the next person. Steve, thanks so much for your time today. That's Steve Kurt, Chicago-based real estate and housing expert. Coming up, the future of the White Sox appears to be in flux. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, sources say the White Sox, uh, White Sox owner and chairman Jerry Reisdorf is pondering a move when the team's lease at guaranteed rate field expires in six years. Let's get the latest from Greg Hines, columnist from Crane Chicago Business. And Greg, thanks so much for your time today. All eyes have been on the Bears and their search for a new home, but the White Sox have been quietly exploring their options. What have you gleaned? The latest that uh, Reinsdorf and the White Sox may be considering. Well, what I've gleaned is that uh, while nothing is final and no decisions have been made, that uh, Jerry Einstorf, uh, uh, the owner of the team, um, uh, has concluded he has some options, uh, including selling the team, including moving someplace else. He's going to explore them and uh, see if, grass, if the grass really is greener on the other side of the You know, hill. Greg, uh, with the way that the season is going, uh, this, you know, this news is not it's not like you're a team that's 30 games over 500 and you're delivering them this news does the white Sox disappointing season impact a possible move or even a sale or does that not factor in for reinsdorf do you think uh i can argue that one either way i can argue that the team isn't very popular so so who cares i mean i can argue that uh, that uh, we need to do something different if we're going to have a winner so let's do that uh uh, uh, having a long losing record didn't seem to hurt the Cubs any when they got some concessions out of the city to uh, to renovate Wrigley Field. So uh, it's not necessarily fatal. Maybe it's maybe it's helpful. Maybe not. This is not the first time that uh, the Reinsdorf Group has floated or threatened to move. Do you think that this is a, a game of hardball? And if so, what what hand is he trying to play or force? You know, it's a little it's a little early to tell. To be perfectly honest, what we know is you have a. Uh, uh, a guy whose team has not been terribly successful at guaranteed right field. Um, they've, it's not a terribly comfortable place or attractive place to play. According to a lot of folks, it, it lacks like all the, the creature comforts and amenities in the ballpark and outside the ballpark that you have in like Wrigley Bill, for instance, which means the owners are leaving money on the table. At the same time, you've got a guy who's 87 years old. Maybe he wants out of the game. Uh, he, he's got the bulls to keep him busy. Um, so it really comes down to what one guy really wants to do. Um, uh, right now, he's decided. I probably, if in his shoes, I probably would do the same thing. He's decided to look, see what comes in the table. Uh, then we'll find out how serious all this really is. 
Do you think Jerry is serious about selling sometime soon or someday soon? Um, maybe. Uh, the team is worth a pile more than uh, than he paid for it, uh, the 30, 40 times what he paid for it. Um, but, uh, again, it kind of depends on what he wants to do. Uh, he's got kids. Does he want to leave the team? Does he want to leave the money? Does he want to uh, put the capital somewhere else? Uh, it all kind of depends. We don't know. But what we do know is that uh, he's starting to ask questions. Greg, thanks so much for your time today. Greg Himes, columnist for Crane Chicago Business. Up next, air carriers are having a very difficult time hiring pilots. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, airlines are struggling to staff the cockpit. Let's discuss the ballooning pilot shortage with Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of Chanuk Institute at DePaul University right here in Chicago. Joe, thanks so much for your time today. So we've been hearing about this for a while. How big of an issue is this? Yeah, you're certainly going to hear more about it. And we, we felt the pain of this last year with all the flight cancellations, with crew shortages, and airlines are now, I uh, wouldn't say another cliff, but it's certainly uh, – the major issue for the airlines now that they're uh, having to give big raises, they're trying to think about rule changes because the shortage of pilots is just going to get worse, and it's uh, it's going to affect how we travel if we don't fix it. So what are the airlines doing about it? Do, do they have a, a good game plan to try to get over this? You know, there's kind of three things. I mean, what's happened uh, really is uh, air travel is coming back so quick after the pandemic and so many pilots left the industry. And then the average pilot now is 51 years old. And so there's a lot of questions about what we do to improve the pipeline. And, you know, one thing that's controversial, uh, FAA uh, actually uh, proposed this and the House approved it, is raise the retirement age to 67 from 65. That's uh, generated a lot of pushback, but that's one uh, one fix. Uh, the other thing is just, boy, we have a 1,500-hour requirement for people to be in the cockpit. That's a lot of flight hours, and uh, you got to be careful, you know, tweaking the rules on what pilot qualifications need. But that's a real constraint because people work for, for no pay for years to try to meet the standard. I was going to say, yeah, how long does it take to get a pilot up to speed where it would be someone that would, would fly a plane, a commercial plane that I would be on? Yeah, it's certainly uh, – uh, it does take many years, and right now what we're seeing is, uh, you know, the flight schools, uh, there's efforts to subsidize uh, people going through the schools. United Airlines has kicked some money uh, into that. Uh, there's federal grants to try to get people to consider aviation careers. And uh, unfortunately, when you train pilots, they're sometimes snapped up by cargo airlines and uh, even foreign airlines. So uh, American just gave a big pay raise to its pilots I think partly knowing it's got to protect that supply chain. Uh, but this aging question uh, is just going to get worse here with so many pilots, you know, just a few years away from retiring, and, and Americans are ready to hit the skies here. Yeah, Joe, final one for you. Let's circle back to what you said about the demand globally. Uh, how competitive is it where pilots that are in the States have a chance to potentially go somewhere else globally and, and fill a job there? Uh, they certainly can, and then foreign airlines know that we have, you know, some of the best training here in the U.S., and uh, uh, there's pretty uh, generous allowances if you want to go fly in Asia and so forth, where air travel is just booming. I mean, in China and, and the uh, Pacific Rim, they have the worst shortage of all. Um, so we're seeing that, and of course, uh, 
running for a cargo airline can just be a, a simpler life. You don't have all these uh, crabby people in the back mm-hmm. that are uh, upset when your flight's late. <laughs> and, you know, you work a, a normal shift, and uh, Amazon, FedEx, and UPS are uh, uh, pretty attractive uh, opportunities. So airlines are, are trying to fix this. Joe, thanks so much for your time today. That's Joe Schwedeman, Professor of Public Services, Director at Chanuk Institute at DePaul University. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, a rundown of the best destinations for the fall. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. WBBM News Time 1230. Good afternoon. I'm Chester Richards. In for Rob Hart, these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Nancy Hardy. As the Chicago Police Department enters year five of an eight-year federal consent decree, an outside monitor finds significant progress, but also struggles with compliance. And a social media challenge is encouraging teenagers and others to run through fences. In Travel Tuesday, fall is a great time to take advantage of less crowded destinations. And a plan by Aldi to buy another large national grocery chain faces union opposition. WBBM Business, the Dow down 165 currently, S&P down 10, the NASDAQ is up 10, and the AccuWeather forecast says looking at a high of 88 degrees today. We're seeing 84 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies. It's 1231 as the Chicago Police Department enters what could be the second half of an eight-year federal consent decree, and outside monitor is providing an update on the effort, WBBM's Nancy Hardy has the story. The police department has made progress in training and policymaking, but independent federal monitor Maggie Hickey says it struggled with community engagement, data collection, and more. The monitoring team tells a federal judge it will closely watch body cam usage amid concerns about compliance with the devices at the heart of accountability efforts. Citing what it calls heartbreaking losses of officers to suicides, the team plans to monitor the department's work in year five to support officer health health and well-being. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. And teenagers taking part in what's being called the Kool-Aid Man Challenge are being blamed for knocking down fences in northwest Indiana. The Dyer Police Department posts on Facebook that it needs the public's help in identifying the culprits and stopping the costly damage from the social media trend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, markets are in the red. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Gary Kultbaum, President Kultbaum Capital Management in Orlando. Gary, thanks so much for your time today. Macy's, Dick's Sporting Goods, and Lowe's all out with quarterly earnings. What's your takeaway from the retail space currently? Uh, Well, I watch all the retail stocks, and they're all coming in pretty darn hard except for Lowe's. Uh, so I'm very wary. Retail has been pretty bearish overall for quite a while, except a few names. And the move in Dick's Sporting Goods, and I know it's just sporting goods, uh, but those numbers were pretty darn bad. And Macy's is uh, sitting at, I think, a multi, multi-year multi low. And uh, I'm just, just be careful. I think it tells you a little bit about the consumer. Uh, savings rates have plunged. Credit card usage is at a new record. And the interest rate on credit cards has skyrocketed in the last year or so. 
uh, something very much to watch uh, as we move forward because uh, consumers about 70% of the economy. As we wrap up earnings season, thoughts on corporate results and more importantly, the forward guidance. Uh, I'm going to call it okay. I'm not so sure okay is good enough because uh, historical valuations are up in the trees. And I'm watching one thing very, very closely here. Uh, The banks and the regional banks are starting to act a little bit on the way they acted before the Silicon Valley Bank problem. I'm not saying another one's going to happen. All I'm just telling you is the banks are coming in hard, and that's usually not great news uh, for markets overall. Gary, where does the Fed policy fit into the mix here? Uh, Well, first off, I've been telling everybody, watch the 10-year yield more than the Fed. That's the free market talking And it's gotten elevated. I think the Fed at this juncture is going to stand pat. Uh, They'll talk a big game. But I think for the next probably, um, unless interest rates really spike, they're going to stay where they are uh, around that five and a quarter, five and a half, and and just talk a big game and hope things go the right way. But again, uh, the 10-year yield, that's the mortgages, which have skyrocketed up at 4316, which is almost a 15-year high. It's just below it. Uh, and that's a big time something to watch because uh, everybody has 3% mortgages and now it's seven and a half and uh, that's tough going. Any areas of the market you find cheap right now? Uh, I wish I had. Um, <laughs> o- overall, not really. I would say housing is st- always trades cheaply to the market and housing's in a corrective mode now because of rates. But if rates stop going up, I think housing is very, very cheap compared to everything else, uh, but not necessarily for housing. So again, I've been wary for a few weeks right now. We're getting some distribution. And I tell everybody, watch these banks, because if they continue to gag, it may be telling you something about the overall. What's the number one threat to the stock market currently? Uh, Debt and deficits. Uh, The uh, size of government just increased over 50% from 2019. And that whole increases debt. And as debt uh, skyrockets, guess what interest rates do to accommodate for the debt? They go higher. If interest rates keep going higher, the cost of capital throughout the whole food chain goes higher. And that's where profits come down. Economy slows and you get in trouble. I wish they would stop. But, uh, you know, these politicians, if they don't spend more, uh, they don't get the votes. Gary, finally, as we like to ask you, what's your advice for individual investors? Uh, Well, if you um, can't sleep, you own too many stocks. That's number one. And number two, two years ago, you were getting zero on your riskless income investments. Right now, you can get on a one-year treasury with no risk, uh, about 5.3%. And that's pretty darn good in comparison to two years ago. Uh, Not a bad way to go. Long term, I think the market's going to be a lot higher, but I think we may be in for some rough going first. You can find him online at GaryK.com. Gary, thanks so much for your time today. That's Gary Coltbaum, President Coltbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Up next in Travel Tuesday, it's time to book a trip now that the summer crowds are gone. We'll dive into that. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. This summer has seen a major return of travel, particularly in Europe, where record crowds made it tough to enjoy at times. Now that fall is here, it may be the right time to book a trip. We welcome Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Angie, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, Speaking of hot temperatures, how's the temperature there in Scottsdale today? 
let's just say you're spending most of your time indoors unless you wake up early or stay up late for that evening walk. It is hot here. I believe it. Yeah, well, maybe it's a good time for all of us to take a trip. Uh, Explain why it's so much better to travel in the fall versus other times of the year. Well, first of all, my personal favorite time to travel, and I think it, it, it stems from the fact that we know those, those crowds are slowly dissipating, but we are finding that fall is becoming more popular. And in ways for some destinations, that's a good thing. So places like southern Italy that start to quiet and people want a little bit of nightlife, but they don't want it to be too, too busy, we're now seeing an extension of that travel into September and even into early October to make those destinations a little bit more popular. All right, so I have your uh, your top five list here, Angie's list of destinations. Why don't you give me a couple uh, right up top of your head. What would be your best advice for those looking for a great fall vacation? Of course, the national parks are a great uh, destination for this time of year. Um, you just have cooler temps, making it more enjoyable. I love fall foliage, fall foliage so that is going to bring you to destinations like the East Coast and, and even the Midwest. And then as it relates to Europe, I mean, gosh, to say that there's one destination, sometimes I think it's your interest level that really peaks where you may want to travel. So if you want to go to Oktoberfest and be part of that festive um, time of year, you know, I'd recommend Germany. If you want some of the wine cultural experiences that are available in the fall that are really enjoyable, you might want to, you know, fly into Florence, spend some time in Florence and retreat to Tuscany. And Hawaii typically is a destination that I like to recommend for fall travel. But you know, we have so many people rerouting their vacations from Maui to the other islands. So I would almost kind of give Hawaii a, a break this year. And then the Day of the Dead is another big celebration in Mexico, making Mexico a popular destination in the fall as well. You know, could we go back to Hawaii for a minute? What, you know, for those who either want to help or, you know, believe that perhaps other areas in Hawaii they should be vacationing to as to not completely turn off traveling to Hawaii because that may not help, you know, other areas besides Maui. What would you tell people more specifically about Hawaii? Well, and I was just at Travel Week, which is a big industry conference for um, the industry. And I spoke with people from the island that are living, you know, in some places, you know, south of the island is less uh, affected versus, um, you know, the main strip. And and there's different hotels, you know, know, Hyatt, um, a popular destination. they're, They're right there in the heart of it versus some of the destinations for seasons, which is, you know, up on the hill. So some destinations or hotels are affected and others are not. But what it boils down to is that there is going to still be that need for tourism. It's just making sure when travelers choose to continue to travel to Maui, to those areas that are not impacted, because there are still hotels that will be open and operating. But it's just being mindful of the sensitivity and recognizing that some of the dining experiences and the downtown atmosphere of Lahaina is not going to be accessible. So it is going to be more of an R&R experience at your hotel. And Waialea, for example, is an area that hasn't been affected. And then to the extent that you want to divide up some of your time, you know, you may want to reroute your itinerary where you spend some time in the Big Island or Kauai. So I do recommend, you know, rethinking your trip, you know, talking to your hotel and make sure, you know, that you're aware of what to expect. And then if you recognize that you are bringing, you know, dollars into the island that are obviously much needed and 
there are so many reputable organizations uh, to support um, for the relief efforts. So I would highly recommend, you know, showing some added support if you plan to travel to Hawaii, you know, in the coming months. They definitely need our support. Go take yourself a great fall vacation. Angie, thanks so much for your time today. Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors out of Scottsdale. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. Still to come, why there's opposition to a major grocery store merger. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the largest grocery store worker union in the U.S. opposes Aldi's plan to acquire the Winn-Dixie chain. Let's take a closer look with Ali Morani, restaurants and retail reporter for Crane Chicago Business. Ali, thanks so much for joining us today. So we've already seen a lot of consolidation in the grocery space. What should we make of that? Yeah, we have. And um, there's also still big plans in the works, right? Uh, Kroger and Albertsons merger has not gone through yet. That's another one that this union, the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, also opposes. They're concerned that consolidation in the grocery industry could mean higher prices for consumers and less choice at a time when food inflation remains high. So what should be the biggest concern for both the workers and and consumers? Yeah, so typically when um, companies merge, there's consolidation. They look for efficiencies. They look for people that basically are doing the same job at both companies that they can fire so then they can save money or layoffs rather. So, you know, with grocery stores, uh, it doesn't happen as much on the ground level because there are people that work in those stores that need to keep operating. But if there's competing stores that are close to each other, there's concerns that some of those could be shut down. And then on the back end for consumers, there's always concerns that pricing could go up just because of the lack of competition. Yeah, let's let's go there. The lack of competition, I guess, would the fear would be higher prices and less options for shoppers. Is that a real concern? That is the concern, and there, I've seen varying studies on it, some that say this won't happen, some that say it will. Um, with this Aldi deal that it, they just announced it last week, and it would um, give them about 400 new locations uh, in the southeast, so Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, and Mississippi, um, Winn-Dixie, and Harvey's supermarket chain. So typically when a company does this, like Aldi, what they're doing is expand into a region they're not in already, um, from the grocery standpoint, they often argue that actually if they have more stores, they can reduce prices because they'll have more economies of scale. So basically, they can make the point to their suppliers that because they're buying so much, they should pay less, which would mean lower prices. So you can see the argument on both sides. Allie, finally, how has the pandemic changed the grocery industry? Yeah, great question. The pandemic has changed a lot. You know, in this situation, um, Aldi is under this is undergoing this huge expansion. It was already growing pre-pandemic, but people really did flock to kind of the discount retailers or the lower-priced retailers. Um, we saw people really shy away from doing uh, going to multiple stores during the pandemic. They would just do one big trip once a week or whatever, and we're seeing that start to come back a little bit. We're also seeing people continue to buy online, buy their groceries online, even though that has calmed down a bit as well. And Aldi is rolling out, you know, a bunch of that, you know, kind of buy online, pick up in store type of options. So we're seeing a lot of um, changes in habits and we've seen a lot of this consolidation, like you said. Allie, thanks so much for your time today. That's Allie Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter from Crane Chicago Business. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.